Good morning. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Wonderful. Well, welcome to Calvary this morning. We're glad that you're here with us today. Uh, this morning, I'd like to talk to you a little bit about Easter. Easter is about a few things. It's about family. It's about our traditions. Um, it's always interesting to think about family traditions when it comes to Easter. The Tenervin family has a few. We always get together. Right, We all get together, and usually the day starts with an Easter egg hunt. And uh, the change in the last few years has been that the Easter egg hunt is for my niece and nephew. Apparently, you're supposed to let the little ones win, which is just not natural to me. And, and a mishap occurred with my nephew on crutches, and everyone thought that meant he should get a head start. And I, I don't know, but we all have we all have our Easter traditions, and so uh, since I'm not allowed to participate in the Easter egg hunt, I decided to do my own, and I hid the eggs as well as I could just before we all left my mom's house yesterday. So she'll be finding them hopefully for one or two a month for the next year. <laughs> but I'm not bitter at all. Easter is about a lot of things. It's about food and candy. It's about, it's about getting together and, and spending time. And we all know that Easter is about all of those things. But it isn't only about those things. In fact, while all of that becomes dear and important to us, all of that is just a secondary meaning, a lesser meaning. The first meaning of Easter, its true meaning, the one we build all our traditions around, is the center of the Christian story. Easter is about Jesus Christ rising from the dead. We call it the resurrection. And that's what I'd like to talk to you about today. Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He was born 2,000 years ago in a small town called Bethlehem. He preached and taught that the kingdom of God was coming. And in this kingdom, God would be king over the whole world. And he performed miracles and he gave teachings that showed what life is like when God is king. But this wasn't about a kingdom of land or armies. This was a spiritual kingdom, a kingdom that everyone could be part of. You see, when we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and our Savior, we become citizens in this kingdom, the kingdom of God. And one of the promises that Jesus made was that everyone who was part of that kingdom would one day be set free from death. First, we'd be set free from a spiritual death, the spiritual death that is inside all of us. Because we all know, if we are honest with ourselves, if we look inward, that there is something wrong inside of us. Something is broken. Something is sick. We can try as hard as we want to, to always be honest, to always be kind, to always be good. But no matter how hard we strive, we will always eventually fail because something is wrong inside of us. That spiritual death, we call it sin. And Jesus promises that those who belong to him will be set free from it. And then another kind of death that he promises freedom from, a physical death. All who are part of the kingdom of God will one day be brought back to life and live together with him forever. And as you can imagine, that's a pretty big claim. Jesus was basically saying that he was greater 
stronger, more powerful than death. That he could overcome it. That he could defeat it. And then, when he was crucified and put to death, we call that day Good Friday. And it's called Good Friday because it was the day that Jesus gathered all of mankind's sin onto himself and then died, paying the penalty for it, making it possible for us to be free from it. And then on Easter Sunday, he proved his power over death when he rose from the grave. He conquered death and he promised all of us that he was only the first. That while we might die physically, we would be resurrected on the last day and live with him forever. That is the promise of Easter. And I want you to hear this morning. I want you to hear this morning not only the promise that Jesus gave, but I want you to hear what it looks like for us to live that promise out. Please turn with me in your Bibles to Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 and 7. If you didn't bring a Bible, that's okay. There should be one in the pew in front of you. And if you're looking at one of the pew Bibles, you're going to want to turn to page 1143. If you brought your own Bible, I have no idea what page it's on. Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 and 7. In Colossians, the Apostle Paul is writing a letter to a church in a town called Colossae. He's writing to tell them about the Christian life, about what it means to live a resurrection life, a life full of what Jesus has promised us. Take a moment and find verse 6. That's where we're going to start today. Now, if you brought your own Bible, I, I want you to uh, be encouraged to highlight verses 6 and 7 in chapter 2, if you're into that kind of thing. These make one of the greatest summaries of Christian life in the entire Bible. So we're going to read them here. Colossians 2, 6 and 7. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, or King, continue to live in Him, rooted and built up in Him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. These two little verses are packed. With meaning. And Paul says five things in here about the Christian life that I want to take a moment and look at each in turn. If you're a note taker, there's space in your bulletin to do that. The first thing Paul says here about the Christian life is he says, continue to live in Him. Continue to live in Him. You see, Christian faith is something that takes our whole life. It takes all of us. It's not something that we can just do part-time. It's not just something we can add on. You can't just add a little bit of Jesus to your life and experience the kind of life that God has promised to all of us. It's all in or nothing. And really, that's the only thing that makes sense if you believe that Jesus rose from the dead. And I do. I believe that that really happened, that 2,000 years ago, Jesus rose from the dead. Now, if you don't, and you'd like to talk about it, I would love a chance to talk about that with you. I would love to take some time and talk about that. It's one of my very favorite things to do, and I'd encourage you to reach out and let me know. I'd love to spend some time. 
But if you believe that Jesus was raised from the dead, then nothing but all in makes sense. Because if you believe Jesus was raised from the dead, then you believe in the God who raised him from the dead. And that same God has promised one day to raise you too. He's promised fullness and richness of life. He's promised to heal the brokenness inside of you, to spend eternity making you into the best, the greatest possible version of yourself, a version of you that is a lot like him. And with all of that being promised, with all of that on the table, how could you do anything other than jump all in? What could possibly ever be better than that? And that's what Paul tells us. He tells us to live in him, to give him all of you, your whole life, and see what amazing things happen when you do. So Paul says, continue to live in him. And then he says this, rooted and built up in him. Let's talk about what it means to be rooted in him. That word rooted, it's past tense. It's something that's already happened. So think about what it means that a tree is rooted. It's big, it's beautiful, but its base is so small compared to the size of it. If there's nothing beyond what you could see, then a tree should be very easy to knock over. But it isn't. Because beneath the surface of the tree are roots that spread out, that secure it in the ground. And once a tree like that is rooted, it is not going anywhere. Once we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we become secure in him. We're his, and he's ours. He never decides that we're a lost cause. He never tires of us. He never wants to be rid of us. His love is absolute. He loves us so much, he wants to be with us all the time. He wants to be with us always. I don't want to be with myself Always. There is no person I want to be with every moment of every day, all the time. But he loves us that much. That's how great, tremendous, and absolute his love is. At our best, at our worst, he loves us that much. When we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we become citizens of the kingdom of God. We're adopted into his family. We're his sons and his daughters. And we can be secure in that identity. He will never leave us or turn us away so long as we want to be his. Our future, our soul is secure. We're rooted in him. So Paul says continue to live in him. To be rooted, secure in him. But then he says be built up in him. What does it mean to be built up in Christ? Built up is probably not the best way to say this. This is a, this is a present tense verb. It's a, a, way to, a better way to say it would be being built up. It's a continual thing, a, a happening thing. It's happening now, and it will continue to happen in the future. This is about transformation. It's about God loving you so much, he's unwilling to leave you as you are. You see, one of the great myths of our culture is that if you love a person, you're gonna, you, you don't want them to change. You want them to stay exactly as they are today. 
And that's silly, and we all know it. Imagine a parent that loved their child so much that they, they did not want them to grow to be a healthy man or woman. Imagine a, a parent that wanted their child to never grow, to never learn, to never change. Now, some part of them may want that, to preserve the preciousness of, of childhood. But a parent's love means they want them to become the best man or woman of God that they can be. God loves us so much, he wants us to be different. He wants us to be more like him. Loving, honest, true, filled with the fruits of the Spirit. Love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. That's how much God loves us. He won't leave us alone. And so what happens is he gives us his Spirit and as we go through this life, he's working in us constantly to change us, to make us more like him. He builds us into a better and better version of ourselves. What does it mean to be built up in Christ? It means that he is at work inside of us always, helping us to become more and more like him. So Paul says, continue to live in him, rooted and built up in him, and strengthened in the faith as you were taught. One thing that everyone struggles with at some point or another is purpose. We ask the question, what is life about? Or why am I here? You see, human beings, we're not designed to try to live without answers to those questions. And when we try to do that, it almost always goes wrong. So when we don't have answers to, to why are we here, we tend to make up our own. And almost always, we find very quickly that the answers we've come up with are empty. They're hollow. They don't work. But when our life is given and rooted and built up in Christ, we know what our purpose is. We're given gifts and strengths that we're called to bless others with, to be conduits for God's love, to be his hands and feet. The way that he shows the people in our lives that he loves them is through us. Our purpose is to live out a life as his sons and daughters, his representatives to the people around us, to the world around us. And then there's this remarkable strength that comes from having a sense of purpose. Remarkable strength. All of us go through times in our lives when just getting out of bed can be difficult because the stress is overwhelming, because maybe we're suffering and it's hard to get up and face another day. Or maybe we're grieving a loss and we don't know how to wake up and go about our day as though we have a reason to keep on going. All of us struggle with times like that. If you haven't yet, that day is probably coming. One day, it'll be hard. Life will be difficult. Please hear me today. You will never find a substitute for the strength and freedom that come from being filled with purpose by giving your life to a good and loving Lord. To Jesus Christ. 
Because when you do, when your life is his, then it's not about you anymore. It's about him. And he will always give you the strength that you need every single day to persevere, to grow stronger, to live out the gifts he's given you, to live a life of glorious purpose as his son or daughter. Paul says, continue to live in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. That phrase, overflowing with thankfulness. You think about overflowing. When I go to the blend, and I'm there on occasion, <laughs> when I go to the blend and they, uh, they give me a drink, the thing about it is, that's always so surprising to me is you would think with something that's hot, like, say, coffee, they would leave a little bit of space in the cup so you didn't, you know, scald your hands on the way to your booth. But it's so full, you cannot help but have it spill over. With coffee, that's not my favorite thing, but the picture is perfect. And a life that's overflowing with thankfulness is a life so filled up with an attitude of thankfulness to God that it just gets everywhere. Do you know that person? That person that just always seems to be thankful for what they have, that never seems to be upset or angry about what they don't have. You may look at their life and you might say, why are they able to be so thankful about everything all the time? It doesn't make sense. But then when you spend time around them, you know what happens to you, right? That, that thankfulness gets on you and you find it infecting you in a good way. Being around those people reminds us of the blessings that we have, reorients us with an attitude to be thankful ourselves. And that's what Paul calls us to do. Scripture says that every good and perfect gift comes from God. Every single blessing we have is from Him. And as we celebrate Easter today, we're reminded of the most incredible blessing of all. Jesus Christ, God's Son, His life, His death, and His resurrection, and the promise that we have through Him to live a life that's full and rich and forever, to overflow with thankfulness. This Easter, Whatever you have planned today, I imagine most of you are going to be having big meals or time with family or whatever your traditions or practices are. My hope is that you would enjoy those, that you would delight in the traditions that you have. But that you would also remember the incredible gift that Jesus Christ has given to all of us. That you would live in him with all the fullness of life that that brings that you would take on the call to love others as he does. And that's a reminder that often we need just before spending a day with family. That you would be rooted, that you'd be built up, that you'd be strengthened in him, and that you would absolutely overflow with thankfulness. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Pray with me. 
Father God, we come before you thankful for blessings. You are amazing, Lord, and we praise you today. We ask that you would be with us, that you'd draw our hearts to you. Lord, that you would put in us a joy and a thankfulness for Easter that grows throughout the year. That we would be called and convicted and drawn to be more and more like you. And that the life of Easter, the resurrection life, would become more and more apparent in us to those around us. That you would use us, Lord, to live out Easter and to bless everyone we come into contact with. We pray these things in your son's holy and precious name. Amen.